Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be able to bring and share the Word of God with you guys this morning. Um, always a pleasure to be able to share with you guys. And so um, we're just going to jump right in, if that's okay. Is that all right with you guys? Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day and this opportunity, Lord, to uh, just break bread. Lord God, I ask that you would allow for the Word of God to do exactly what it is designed to do. your word, Father God, would just read our hearts this morning. Lord, I'm asking that you would, throughout this entire series, God, Lord, would you speak to the hearts of your people? Would you draw us closer to you, God? Let us come before you, God, with open arms, God, and humble hearts, that we may know that you are good, that you are God. Strengthen us through your word, we ask. Let your presence settle in this place, even today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Again, excited to be with you guys. Pardon my voice, uh, but I will do my very best uh, to make sure that you guys hear what I say here and uh, that I convey uh, clearly um, what needs to be conveyed. But we're starting this series called God With Us, God With with us. And it's so awesome because Advent is upon us, right? Advent is just another word for arrival or coming, right? That's a Latin word for that. But um, it's just an awesome, awesome opportunity uh, as we kick things off to begin to just draw closer to the Lord and draw closer to the real, as we would say oftentimes during this time of the year, reason for the season, right? Um, And it's appropriate for us to start this series because God with us touches on one of our key beliefs As the church, it touches on one of our key beliefs as a church, the incarnation. And so the incarnation is the understanding that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this is important. Okay, this is an important thing about uh, within the church as the global church. Right. Because Jesus didn't if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, we got some real problems. If Jesus didn't come in the flesh, guys, we've got some serious issues. We've got some serious problems. And if Jesus isn't the one who died for our sins, man, we got some even deeper issues. All right? Let me just kind of break this down for you just so that we have an understanding of how important this is. Last time I spoke with you guys, I, I, I said to you guys that God's character is revealed through the covenants. And so in Jesus being sent for us, we see God's faithfulness, his justice, his mercy, and his loving compassion for us. The author of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Just to have an understanding, one of the Jewish understandings of how our sins were cleansed was so that they was the way that they would do that is they would bring forth a sacrifice before God. And there had to be a sacrifice, you know, sacrificial lamb, whatever that, 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 that particular sacrifice called for. They had to bring that before the Lord. And in understanding that our sins would be forgiven, that lamb would have to be slain. And so now you take this Old Testament principle and you apply it to this New Testament uh, idea that God is now bringing forth in Jesus Christ. He is setting forth for us a sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. And without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sin. Right? Moreover, right, not only is it the shedding of blood that brings forth the, the forgiveness of sins, but it is the shedding of blood of the Lamb 
of God. And so we understand, or hopefully you understand through Old Testament, bringing forth a lamb in terms of a sacrifice was important. And so when John the Baptist calls Jesus the lamb of God, that is not coincidence. He is speaking forth something that is supposed to take place on our behalf. John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so John is making it very clear to his listeners, he is the one that God has chosen. He is the one that will be the sacrifice for us. It was necessary for Jesus, the word of God, to wrap himself in human flesh and give his life for us. In fact, Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That way we might become the righteousness of God. That was the whole purpose, right? That we might become the righteousness of God, that we might be drawn closer to God, that the, re- the, the, the relationship between us and God would be restored. And so ultimately, hopefully you have an understanding of the incarnation in this sense, that the incarnation is critical. In addition to Jesus Christ being our ransom, right, not just being our ransom and setting us free from sin, God with us is important because it also allows for us to see that he is with us with his presence. We can't take for granted that God is with us isn't just a title, but it is the function and character of Jesus Christ. He is present with us. God with us in the sense of him being sent to die for us is just a portion. He's also present with us in the midst of the things we go through in life. See, Matthew gives us an account of how this prophecy is spoken by Isaiah was being fulfilled in Jesus's appearing. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, I'm reading from the ESV, says this, it says, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Matthew is making sure, because his letter is written to a Jewish audience, he's bringing back this Old Testament scripture to allow for them to see that this is prophecy fulfilled. Right? That he is the one that God has chosen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And that's our series for the next few weeks, God with us. Today, though, I'm going to be speaking about God being with us in the valley. God with us in the valley. See, it's easy to see how good Jesus is, to see how Jesus is with us when we're on the mountaintops, right? When we have these mountaintop experiences, it's easy to see Jesus there, right? It's so amazing to see Jesus there. When you're Christmas shopping at Target, right, and it's crazy and chaotic, and then you just, you got your left hand on the steering wheel, and you lift your right hand, you say, Jesus, I need a parking space. I need it, Lord, and I know that you are a good, good father. Come on, somebody. And the minute you get done with that prayer, right, all of a sudden, boop, red lights, boop, white lights, boom, they back it out. You're like, come on, God. That's what I'm talking about. Now, next thing you know, you're going to be thinking about that name completely different now. You're going to be like driving around the parking spot like, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God with me, God with me. Come on, come on, come on. No whammies, no whammies. Next thing you know, boom, 
perfect parking spot right where you need it, right where you want it. You may be thinking to yourself, man, God is so good. He is with me. I was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with uh, one of our students, uh, Jake Ziegler, and he was telling me, he's like, oh, Pastor Jamal, I never, I haven't, you know, had a Popeye's chicken sandwich yet. And I was like, oh, man, well, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. And I was like, well, the only way to really know how good the Popeye's chicken sandwich is, is to bring it against the champ, right, or to get a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And so this is like around lunchtime. I think Calvary had a half day that day, so we ended up picking them up. And so we go, um, Chick-fil-A is closer to, uh, to Calvary than Popeye's is. So I was like, well, let's get the Chick-fil-A first, and then we'll go and get the Popeye's. So we're pulling in, but at the same time, I'm starting to realize, oh, wait, it's half a day. They got out during lunchtime. They didn't even have lunch. I was like, which means everybody's at lunch, which means we probably are going to run into a massive traffic jam at Chick-fil-A. But I was committed, he was committed, and I had my daughter with me, I had Naomi with me, and so we were like, all right, it's fine, you know what, let's just go. We pull in, sure enough, the line is already like around the, like around the, it comes out, and then if you've seen the Chick-fil-A and how it comes out, then it fills up that little lane, and then it kind of wraps around going back towards uh, Stop and Shop. So I was like, oh man, this is about to be crazy. We pull in, and I was like, well, let's just go inside, because I'm thinking to myself, no, this is not going to be like, you know, like if we go inside, we circumvent all of these people out here in the cars, you know what I'm saying? It's perfect. Go inside, boom, massive people, and I'm like, whoa. And like, we're standing, like, at this point, now my daughter's looking at me. She's like, Daddy, can I have some Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, ah. So now my daughter's hungry. Now I'm like, all right, we got to make this happen. And so Jake's like, well, we can just stand in line. It's cool, man. We we will make it. And I thought to myself, I was like, all right, I don't want to stand in this line. I don't want to go into the the drive-thru either. But I want want this Chick-fil-A sandwich. There's only one thing to do. Pull out the Chick-fil-A app. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something about the Chick-fil-A app. If you do not have the Chick-fil-A app on your phone and you are a Chick-fil-A person, you are missing out on the blessings of God. I pull out the Chick-fil-A app. We're standing in line. I mean, there's a mass of people. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to. Jake's looking. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm ordering our food. He's like are you going to, like, skip all these people? I'm like, favor ain't fair, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> favor ain't fair. That's not my fault. You know what I mean? Sitting here, boom, 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 boom. Order it, right? And then it says, okay, please stand over here by the ordered section. I was like, cool. So we get out of line. I mean, we were in the back, too. We were in the back of line. Get out of line, stand on the side, just sitting there, waiting, waiting. Next thing you know, the people that we were in line with, they're kind of like in the middle now, and they're looking, and they kind of notice something's weird. They're like, this dude got out of line, and now he's standing over there. What kind of sorcery is this? What is going on? I'm just standing there. Like maybe, no joke, like three, five minutes later. Mind you, I'm only getting two sandwiches because it makes sense. I'm only getting two sandwiches and a little fry for my daughter. That's all it is. Like that's it. I don't need to stand in line for this. Next thing you know, they say, "Uh, Jamal, order, ready? I'm like, Boom. My daughter goes, she's like, wow, that was fast. I was like, that's right, baby girl. It's in moments like that, you know, that you know that God is with you. Amen. When you can skip that line at Chick-fil-A and walk away with what you need. I'm, I'm being facetious. It's easy for us to sense God in those mountaintop moments when favor ain't fair, when the blessings are flowing. It's a lot different maybe even a little more difficult to sense God and his presence when we're in the valley. 
when you receive some bad news, when you're alone, when you're afraid, when you realize that this year's holiday festivities will be missing a specific loved one. Maybe it's the fact that you realize that this year's holiday festivities mean that you're splitting time between mom and dad. Maybe it's when you're battling depression, pushing back against your own anxiety. It's in these moments that sensing God's presence can become a little more difficult. I want to talk to you today, though, about God being with us in the valley. In those moments where we feel like life is less than ideal. In those moments when life really is less than ideal. It's the place where trouble and tragedy and trials seem to always find us. It's our most vulnerable times in life. And yet it's in these moments where we actually just start to wonder and ask ourselves, man, where is God? Where is God? God, where are you? I know that you're a good father. I know that you give good gifts to your children. But right now in this moment, things are going absolutely wrong. God, where are you? Where are you, God? When things are less than ideal, when my world is imploding, when my faith is shaky, when my thoughts betray me, God, where are you? Are you with me in the valley? Are you walking beside me? Can I trust that your presence is there even when I don't feel like it? If you've thought these thoughts before, I just want to let you know that you're not alone. When we look at scripture, it's, it's interesting. The valley is oftentimes a place that's tied to uh, uh, times of battle, places of desperation, places of loneliness. While all of those things might be true, in fact, you might be experiencing valley moments right now in your life. I want to offer you today that the valleys can be seasons and places of growth. The valley can be seasons and places of of growth if you'll allow them to be. Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, we can enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know God intimately in the valleys. We can enjoy God at the top of the mountain, but when we're in the valley, there's an opportunity to grow and to know God in a more intimate, personal, powerful way. In the valley is where you and I get to experience God in a different way. It's not the easiest way. It's not the most fun way. It's not the cool way. But it's sometimes the way we need to encounter God to either learn something new about him or to be reminded about something about him. It's this way that allows for us to see the potter truly sculpting and shaping our life to be uniquely different for his kingdom. Over the last few months, I've been hearing a lot of conversation about the emotional state of people in the world today. And there are many people who are in battles with their emotions, in battles with their thoughts, in battles in their spiritual life. And I want to send a word of encouragement to you today. If you're in the midst of the valley, God is with you. If you're walking through the valley right now in life, I want to help you to understand and maybe even be reminded this morning that God is with you. He's with you. 
There's so many people struggling with anxiety, with depression, battling against suicidal thoughts, battling against all these different things. It can be absolutely overwhelming. Even believers, there's so many believers who are weighted down by so much stuff. But I want to empower you today that God is with you in the midst of the valley. He's with you. And I want to offer you today three reminders that God is with us in the valley you open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 84. We're going to be reading verses 5, 6, and 7 this morning. It's kind of be the, going to be the source of our, uh, it's going to be our text that we use this morning, main source of text. Psalm chapter 84, verses 5, 6, and 7. It reads like this. Again, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. The author is talking about God here. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, God, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, um, Hebrew culture would revert to Zion also as Jerusalem. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in Zion. That's our main text this morning, and I'll be referencing this passage of Scripture back and forth, so you can kind of just keep your thumb there. We'll be going back here. But again, I want to remind you this morning of three things, or excuse me, three reminders that God is with us in the valley. The first reminder when you're going through the valley is this. Our strength comes from God. Our strength comes from God. If you're in the midst of the valley and you're going through right now or you've been through the valley, maybe you've experienced this or maybe you're struggling to even experience this right now, but I want you to be reminded in your heart and maybe it's something you need to vocally say out loud so that you can edify your own soul that your strength comes from God. Your strength comes from God. Psalm chapter 84, verse 5, it opens up, it tells us, it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Our blessing comes from the fact that our strength is not our own, but it comes from God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a strength that comes from God that is in many ways indescribable, inexplainable. It is one of those things that sometimes when you, when you experience it, you can't really find the words to explain to someone else, but you carry yourself differently because you're leaning on a strength that's not your own. You're leaning on a strength that comes from God. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, listen, I just want to let you know, all you have is all you have. If you're not a believer in this place, all you have is all you have. But if you're a follower of Jesus, There is something that happens when you feel like you reach the end of your rope. A strength unlike anything else starts to fill up your soul. And you realize that all you had is all you had, but now what you have is not your own. Something different takes place. We have to come to a place where you and I rely upon the strength of God in our everyday dealings. 
And if you're walking through the valley, this principle does not change. If you're going through a moment, going through a season where things seem less than ideal, I want you to know this morning God is with you in the valley and there is a strength that comes from God that is not of your own. It's almost like, it's almost like someone stepping in in a moment's notice to help you finish the task. A few weeks ago, uh, the youth group, we went to convention. Uh, and at convention, uh, there was a whole lot of things going on. It was a lot of service and worship and all this other stuff. It was crazy. And it goes for like two days. It's like a whole Friday. And then Saturday, we come back home Saturday evening. And so what ends up happening at the end of Friday nights, the guys go back to one location and the girls go and stay the night at another location. And so the girls went to stay at Miss Lisa's house, Lisa Maneri's house. And I don't know what girls do at like their sleepovers. You know, they probably like, you know, chat about life, you know, eat ice cream, paint toenails. I don't know. I don't know what they do. Okay. Boys are a little different. All I remember is when we got back, excuse me, this is actually before we got back. Some of the boys were letting me know, oh, we, we, we got a plan for tonight. I'm like, a plan? Like, what, what type of plan are you guys talking about? Next thing you know, I'm getting hit with an itinerary. These boys have a plan. There's like arm wrestling competitions. There's foosball happening. There's, so, there's a FIFA tournament. Shout out, shout out. There's FIFA happening. There's Smash Brothers happening. Lots of snacks happening. Maybe very little sleep. The plan was little to no sleep. Will's like, true. <laughs> little to no sleep. That was the plan. One of the plans was they were going to have a weightlifting competition. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, weightlifting competition. All right, sounds great. I'm thinking to myself, these boys, how are they even going to pull this off? We get there, so we stayed at the Trotty's house. We get to the Trotty's house, and we're, we go downstairs to the basement, and sure enough, it is set up as if this entire plan has been, like, prayed over. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe they prayed about it. I don't know. But this was set up. I'm like, what is this over here? There's a weight bench. There's a weight bench, and there's a bar over there, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is about to be an interesting evening when I thought I was going to get sleep. I am learning very quickly. I'm probably going to get very little to no sleep. And I see this weight bench, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay. And I, me being me, I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's get it going. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. We lift the weights over here. And I'm making jokes, you know, of different things of that nature. I'm like, oh, man, I can only, I can only lift the bar. And they're like, what? No, you're lying. Like, you can lift more than the bar. I'm like, nah, man, that's all, that's all I can do. That's all I can do. But if you've ever lifted weights, and you've lifted weights to the, the, the kind of the extent of like doing your reps and you're going through your motions, there is a point, if you're lifting weights enough, where you barely can lift the bar, right? That's the whole purpose, right, of having a spotter. And so I told him, I was like, all right, listen, guys, if you're going to do this, you're going to need a spotter. Um, if you have not had the pleasure of meeting Max Diba, you should. Uh, Max Diba is a fun-loving guy. Awesome guy, high energy. I'm talking high energy, right? So I'm like, all right, guys, listen. Look, if you're going to do this, you need a spotter. And Max is like, I don't need a spot. I don't need a spot. I got this. It's big body season. I'm like, okay, <laughs> say what you like. You still need a spot, right? Because no matter how much you feel like you can lift, if you get to the point of exhaustion, there's a point where the weight becomes too much, Right? 
There's a point when the weight becomes too much. And if you don't have a spot, the weight will crush you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an eternal spot. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have someone who is standing over you. When the weight seems like it's too much, lifting it up in the moment you, you feel you don't have anything left. If you've ever lifted weights before, you get to that point. You're like, Ugh! And what's crazy, too, is I've spotted for people before, and all they need sometimes is a tap. They're that exhausted. But all they need is a little tap, and next thing you know, they ah, push through. You rack the weights. If you're a believer, God is the one who spots for us. And when the weight seems like it's too much, when our bodies and our souls feel ex absolutely exhausted, there's a strength that comes from God. God does all the heavy lifting on his behalf. Sometimes the weight becomes too much, but God is the one who steps in text says, blessed are those whose strength is found in the Lord. Paul says it like this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul understood the power of being weak and relying upon the power of Jesus Christ in the midst of it. For you and I, as believers, if we want to continue to walk through the valley, if you and I want to continue to be reminded that God is with us, we have to rely on the strength that is not our own. We have to understand our own weakness, but trust in the power that rests in our almighty God. Our strength comes from God, and he is with us. In the valleys. The second thing I want to remind you of is this. The valley is temporary. The valley is temporary. There's some of you in this place today going through the valley season right now, and you're saying to yourself, man, I've been in this place for a very long time. It feels everything but temporary. But I want to encourage you and remind you today that the valley is not our destination. The valley is only temporary. Even though we go through these seasons, even though we go through the valley, it is crucial we remember that it's only temporary. The Hebrew word baka in our text means to weep. This particular valley was a valley that was dry. It was arid. And there were these trees that would drip resin. It would drip sap. And the way that it would look like to the, to the people who were passing through, it would look like the trees themselves were weeping. So they gave it this name, the Valley of Baca. And people would usually pass through this valley on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So oftentimes you had people, Hebrew people, who were making the trip back to Jerusalem, back to this place of peace, back to this place of worship. They would go through the Valley of Baca. And even though they were going through the valley of Baca, they understood that it was temporary. It was not their destination. Their destination was the house of God. And so for those of you in this place today that are going through the valley, what you need to be reminded of is that the valley is temporary. It is not your destination. The valley of Baca, in this particular passage of scripture, the author is not, he's not 
I mean, he's so smart about using this type of illustration in this capacity. The Valley of Baca is used here to illustrate a difficult and sorrowful path, a path of weeping. But despite what the valley is, it is not our destination. We're just passing through. You have to remind your own heart, your own soul, in moments that you're in the valley, that you're just passing through. You're not there to hang out. You're not there to, 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 uh, as a place of destination. You're just passing through, right? This is not the first time that we've heard this type of concept. David says it like this. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There it is again, David making this declaration. God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But one thing I know is for sure, I am going through the valley of the shadow of death. I am going through the valley of Baca. I am going through a season of weeping. I am going through a season of mourning and of death. But what I know to be true, in each one of these situations is that God is with me. God is with me. And this valley is only temporary. Now, I, here's one thing I want to just make very clear. I am not God. I don't know the timetable of the seasons of valleys that each and every one of you go through. I don't know that. And I would love nothing more than to get up here and to tell you, hey, man, the thing's going to be over tomorrow. I can't do that. I'm not God. But what I want you to know today is that no matter where you find yourself, it is temporary. It is temporary. It is not your final destination. You're just passing through. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in the valleys, and we would love nothing more than for those valley moments to be over. I mean, I've been in those situations where I'm like, you know what, God? This would be great if this was over right now. You could put this to bed right now. I would, I would, love, it. No, I would love nothing more than for you to put this to bed. God, I want peace. I want it to be over. God, I want, I, I don't even want whatever is on the other end. I've been in that place before when I said, God, I know that you're bringing me through something. This is a test. You're trying to strengthen me. You're trying to grow me. I'm cool with not even having that. Like, I've been in those places, but you can't have that type of attitude. You have to trust that God knows what he's doing and that even though you're going through the valley, God is with you. One of the things that I've kind of learned even going through my own valleys is this. God will oftentimes take us through the valley to get to where we need to be. God will take us through the valleys to get us to where we need to be. And then sometimes God will take us through the valleys because he wants to remind us something about himself. He's trying to teach us something. So don't be so quick to go through the valley. Don't be so quick to try and rush through the valley because there may be something there that God is trying to teach. God is trying to show you. Even still, we can be encouraged that the valley is only temporary and God is with us. The third thing I want to remind you today is this. Make room for rain or provisions. Make room for rain or provisions. Verse, uh, verse 6 of our Psalms, chapter 84, verse 6, says this. 
says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Now, here's something pretty, I mean, this part is a little bit more, is a little bit more tough to swallow. This one's a little bit more tough to swallow. I struggled with this one a little bit. But there's truth here. The psalmist is conveying an idea that in the midst of the valley, our tears of sorrow become cisterns. Now, a cistern is a man-made well. They, they serve as a way to hold water for future use, right? So while the author may not necessarily be suggesting that we actually drink our tears, what the author is suggesting through a poetic sense is that sometimes in the midst of the valley, your tears will become the water that you need for the future in a dry and weary land. Does that make sense? Let me put it to you like this. Our tears in moments in the valley can become a source of comfort for us when we're in the valley. Our tears at times are the right now release for the future strength that we need. Don't ever be afraid to allow your tears to be the release you need in valley moments. God designed us with an emotional capacity to cry, and that's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to let those emotions come out because oftentimes what we're doing is we're releasing the inner struggle that's going on. And by releasing that inner struggle, we are finding a source of strength. We're finding a source of comfort that we will need for later. Remember, this valley is dry and it's arid. It's lacking water. So if you're a traveler going through the valley, right, you understand, man, you need water. And it, sometimes it becomes tough. It becomes tough and there is no water. And sometimes your own tears become the comfort that you need. They become the resource that you need in order to continue through the valley. You've got to make room for provision, make room for the strength of God to come. It's also important to understand that it probably takes some time to go through the whole valley. It doesn't happen in a day span. It probably takes a couple days. It takes some time. And so you're going to need, you're going to need some tears. Not just that. God is not the type that just leaves us on our own, but it also says that the rains cover the valley with pools of water. So as they would travel through this valley, they would make these wells because they understood that when the rain would come, the rain would then fill into these cisterns and they could use it for later. If you're going through the valley, you probably need to make a well so that when it does rain, you have the water that you need to continue. What do I mean by that? What I mean simply is this. In, the most phys in a physical sense, these people would get on their knees. They would dig these wells. In a spiritual sense, when you're going through the valley, you probably need to get on your knees and dig a well. Say, God, I need you to send the rain to fill this pool. But there's a faith aspect here, right? Because if these people didn't dig the wells, they would have no way to hold the water. If you and I don't find the time to get on our knees before the Lord in the midst of the valley... How can we expect to hold the water and the rain that he will send our way? 
It's this idea, the, poet, the poetry in this particular part here is, is not on accident. Man, we draw strength from the tears that we cry. We draw strength from the water that God provides. Rain, and many times in Scripture, is seen as a blessing, as a sign of new life, as a sign of new beginnings. It is this opportunity to see refreshing take place in a dry and weary land. We have to make room for God's provision. We've got to get on our knees before God and make room. Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, show God your faith and God will show you his faithfulness. Show your faith. Dig that well. God will show you his faithfulness by pouring out over your life. Some of you may be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Jamal, you know what? I don't see the rain coming, bro. I'm in the valley and I do not see the rain coming. When will God send this rain? Again, listen, I I struggled with this because I don't know when God will send his rain, but I hope that he will. I hope that he will send his rain. What does that mean? I mean that I will wait upon God with faith and hope that he's going to send his rain. This is the faith element that you and I have to put into practice, where we wait with anticipation, where we wait with hope, where we wait with faith that God will send his rain. I look back at the times that God has shown up before in my life and shown up with rain. For some of you, the reminder is simply looking back to the last time you went through the valley and seeing God provide. Trusting and hoping he did it before and he'll do it again. God is faithful. He reveals himself through the covenants. Emmanuel, God with us, is a promise that he is with us always. He's with us even when we're in the valley. And in the valley, we need to make those provisions to receive his reign. We can enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. I want to read to you a verse from Psalm 116. Um, a friend of mine was going through a tough season in life, and they gave me this verse because they found themselves clinging to this verse, and I just found it so appropriate for this morning. Psalm 116, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 9. It says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid a hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to my soul. Return to my soul your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Bonnie, you can come. I'm not sure where you are in life today. But I hope that you understand and believe and know that God is with us in the midst of the valley. I just want to... 
be obedient to the spirit of the Lord real quick. I know we got communion. We'll get to that. Earlier I said, if you're not a believer, all you have is all you have. I want to give. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the spirit of God this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I just want to give respect to those who the spirit of the Lord is dealing with this morning. You're in this place today and you say, you know what, Pastor Jamal, I, I don't have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. All I have is all I have. But when you talk about a strength that is not our own, coming in in our weakest moments, that's something that I want something that I want. You're here today and you want that strength, that relationship with Jesus Christ, and you've never had it before. I'm going to ask you to just slip your hands up. I want to pray with you this morning and invite you into relationship with Jesus Christ. Just waiting a moment. Awesome. I see those hands. You can put those hands down. I appreciate your honesty. Appreciate your honesty. Heavenly Father, you see these hands that have went up this morning. And Lord God, you know the state of our hearts. You know exactly where they are. Is there confessing before you that they want to enter into this relationship with you, where you become their strength? I ask that you would make them brand new right now thank you, God, that you've drawn them to you with loving kindness. I pray that you would cover them with your presence right now. That this phrase, God with us, means something different to them today than it has ever been. Lord, we thank you for those who've welcomed into the kingdom this morning. Lord, I ask that you would cover them today. And send people their way, God to walk with them in this new journey and relationship with you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, I, hey, I, please do not leave this place today without seeing Pastor Matt or myself with Pastor Bonnie. We just want to surround you with loving kindness. But I also want to make provision one more time for